Hello, hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Hormonal Mama podcast. Today on the show, I am interviewing Laura Ibragimova. Laura is an endometrius warrior, and she works with women to help them deal with endometriosis. Today on the show, we are talking about her previous life working in D.C. doing legislative analysis and healthcare consulting, and we're talking about her inspirations and why she feels that life is meant to be lived and we should always be planning our next adventure. So stay tuned. We have got so much more ahead for you. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to talk with you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I, you know, I know we have a lot to talk about today. I know we really want to talk primarily about endometriosis because this is a topic that I know is very close to your heart, very close to my heart. Um, and I really, I just want to jump right in and, and talk about it with you and all of these you know, really important experiences and all the, the things that you've learned over the years. So I think we should just jump right in, really talk the educational aspect here. And let's start with what is endometriosis? Endometriosis is a complex inflammatory disease of the reproductive organs in women where the endometrial tissue, which is the lining of the uterus, finds itself outside of the uterus and within the abdominal cavity. Mm-hmm. And it causes lesions, cysts, and scar tissue to form on the abdominal wall and the organs in that area, which leads to a significant amount of pain and discomfort. The important thing to know about endometriosis is that it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a localized condition. It mm-hmm. can grow into other areas of the body and onto other organs and can cause a lot of issues and uh, poor functioning of the organs. And um, not a lot of women know that they have it. Actually, one in 10 women around the world have it. So that's over 200 million women. Um, so it is a prevalent disease, but it's also a highly understudied disease. And it can take up to 10 years to be diagnosed. A lot of women don't end up getting diagnosed until they are ready to conceive. And it is infertility is one of the signs or the symptoms of a potential endometriosis. Other symptoms include heavy or painful periods, digestive problems such as constipation, extreme bloating, IBS or irritable bowel disorder, nausea um, that can also occur around the time of your period, memory fog, confusion, back pain, and like I mentioned, infertility. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so interesting to me. I've, I've always been really interested by endometriosis because it is so Oh, frustrating. Um, you know, I, myself, you know, very open about my infertility journey. And when I went to see a second, um, reproductive endocrinologist, she immediately said, you probably have endometriosis, but like my previous, uh, reproductive endocrinologist, they didn't want to investigate further. They just kept telling me, you know, there's not really much we can do. It's really invasive to be diagnosed all this stuff. And it's always so interesting to me since then, how many women I come across who have been diagnosed, who didn't have that pushback and had, you know, an explanation for what is going on with them. And so it's just, I at least am finding it's talked about more um, now, but still not enough. 
I still feel like, you know, you just said one in 10 women, that's a lot. This is very prevalent. And I feel really strongly that it needs to be talked about more. So I'm really glad that we're talking about it today. Um, Speaking of being diagnosed, I know that you yourself have endometriosis. Tell me a little bit about that. When were you diagnosed? What, you know, what sort of brought you to um, that diagnosis? So I was one of the group of women, or you know, they say around 50% of women actually don't know that they have it. So um, the, the symptoms can range. And I was one of those women who didn't have many of the obvious symptoms. Although looking back and reflecting, though my symptoms actually started presenting themselves when I hit puberty. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what I've never heard of endometriosis before. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was officially diagnosed with endometriosis in my early twenties, around 24 years old through laparoscopic surgery. And I had, like I mentioned, never heard of the condition before, but about eight months before the diagnosis, I was experiencing this dull nagging, throbbing pain in my lower right pelvic region. Another, uh, symptom that I wanted to mention is, um, bladder pain. And, uh, that can be confused as a UTI it's called interstitial cystitis. Yes, I have interstitial cystitis. It's an evil, evil condition. And I can understand how those could be, uh, you know, misdiagnosed. Right. So I was experiencing that a lot too, along with um, IBS and um, other digestive problems, which I had met with several specialists to try to figure that out. um, But to no avail. Mm. So once I finally started feeling this dull, nagging, throbbing pain in my lower right pelvic area or on my around my right ovary, I just assumed it was another potential UTI, because I had been treated several times for UTIs, but really it was interstitial cystitis. Um, And I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think it would be that serious. But I remembered this line from this book that I had read um, about nutrition. And I have a background in nutrition. So, you know, I just have an understanding of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And it stated that the when the, the body it's never normal in the body to feel pain and it should never be ignored. So originally I just wanted to ignore it, but decided to just go with it anyway um, and get it checked out. So my OBGYN did a pelvic ultrasound and we detected a complex cyst on my right ovary. Mm -hmm. And that's already, by the time it shows up on imaging, it's already stage four. So there's three stages, stage one through four. um, And that's um, mild to severe. Okay. So, yeah, and that's really determining um, how severe the implantations are. And by the time you have a formation of a sister already at stage four, Um, again, had almost no idea, had some symptoms, but couldn't correlate that back to endometriosis. So my OBGYN had said that that looks like an endometrioma. Mm-hmm. Because on imaging, it comes dark and looks like a chalk, they call it a chocolate cyst. If oh. you have imaging where it is kind of like clear, or like a clear cyst, then that's, that's not a complex cyst, that's a simple cyst. And so I spent the next eight months looking for specialists and going to, for tests and finally had surgery, which confirmed that it was endometriosis. Wow. Wow. How did you feel, you know, once you had that diagnosis, that confirmation, you know, I, I feel I feel like that must have been a big weight lifted off your shoulders to know, okay, there's, there's a reason this is all happening, but I also feel like at the same time, it must be frustrating to know, oh, okay, well, this is what's happening. You know, I'm just curious how you felt once you had that official diagnosis and and an explanation for all of this. So to be honest with you, and I think this aligns with your earlier point about how this isn't talked enough about in the medical community and women are not really educated about the condition. 
I think I was more confused than anything. As mm-hmm. soon as I got my diagnosis and after I had my surgery, I met with my doctor for follow-up visits and had asked her, you know, what does this mean for me next? What does this mean for my fertility? What does this mean for, you know, what I want to do with my life? And she was like, you're just, she's like, I actually don't have any answers for you. Endometriosis, her, her words to me were endometriosis owns you now. Mm. And um, you're just going to have to be on medication your whole life. Um, and though that's really hormone therapy. So I didn't really have any clear answers. And I, you know, because I didn't really suffer from pain the way that nor- women, many women do, um, I didn't really know how to manage it. And it took me years to figure out what to do with myself. Um, And I continue to live a normal life, but I always had this fear in the back of my head that um, I don't know what's going to happen with my fertility. I don't know what's going to happen with my future uh, and what this means for, for me in general. So I think it added more to confusion, especially when it came to meeting with doctors. I later, and I can talk about that later um, as well. Uh, that's when I re- realized that I had to take more, uh, con- more ownership over my body and my condition. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, that's something I wanted to ask you about. I know that you are, um, a holistic wellness coach, which I think is awesome. And I know that we talked briefly before that you do a lot of work, you know, with people dealing with endometriosis, you have this personal experience, especially like you just said of, okay, great. I have this diagnosis, but now I'm more confused. And now I'm more frustrated because how do I handle this? So tell me a little bit about what, um, what that's like for you to work, um, you know, as a wellness coach, but also dealing with endometriosis with clients and, and with yourself at this point, you know, you've had endo, you've had endometriosis. I meant to say you've been diagnosed for, for a while now, you know, what, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, how does this affect your work in the way that you work with people in, you know, what you've found to work for you, if that makes sense? Yeah. So I, I think that I realized, you know, after having gone through a lot of difficult time, a difficult time in my life, um, in my career and meeting with many doctors, because again, endometriosis is recurring, unless you're getting to the root cause, you're really never going to, um, be alleviated from this, uh, the symptoms, uh, maybe it can be masked with medication and surgeries and all sorts of things, but it really is kind of a lifelong sentence until they, they do find a cure for it. But um, what I really learned from my experience and why I decided to transition my career into holistic wellness coaching with a concentration in endometriosis and other reproductive health issues is because the it's, endometriosis really is an understudy disease. And so are a lot of other reproductive health conditions. Mm -hmm. And your medical care is only one piece of a very complex puzzle. And nutrition and stress management and your lifestyle has a lot to do with how well your body can manage the symptom, the symptoms of your condition, and even get to a point of reversing the symptoms and starting to heal the body. Now, I'm not here to tell you that the condition will be completely cured and eliminated from your system. Um, I wish I could do that, but (laughs) what I have seen with myself particularly and with the clients that I worked in with is that through making certain lifestyle changes and by incorporating high nutrient foods and even supplements into your diet, you can drastically improve your condition to a point where you're living your life normally. Again, you're no longer 
living in pain. You're no longer being tied to your, you know, scheduling your life around your period. You're no longer scheduling your life around your symptoms where you might have a flare up or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And you're learning how to take care of what's in your control, right? Like you're able to take control of your life and focus on the things that you have control, which is your stress management, which is your nutrition, which is your mindset. And all of these things are so much more um, available to you than what your doctor can share with you. Mm -hmm. That's, and that's a fact right there. And that's why I think it's so amazing what you do, because I think, you know, for two reasons, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but for me, you know, there's really two main reasons why I'm so like, it's amazing because you've done this, you've been through this yourself, you know, that to me is huge. And being able to take, look, this, this is what I know works. This is what I can help you. This is what your doctors aren't going to help you with. They're going to help you get that diagnosis. And that's great, but let's help you feel better. Let's help you live your life. Because, you know, as you said earlier, you know, with endometriosis, in many cases, it can be debilitating. The pain can be so severe. It can take over your whole life, but making these changes, like you said, you can take control of your life back. And that's just a beautiful thing to be able to live a happy, wonderful, healthy life. So I think that's really great. I wanted to ask you something because you said um, that you made the transition to um, wellness coaching with a focus on endometriosis and other reproductive um, disorders. I'm curious, what did you do before you were a wellness coach? I have a master's in public health policy and I had worked in DC doing legislative analysis and then afterwards doing a lot of consulting in, um, in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I was just working up the corporate ladder and trying to make a change at the policy level. Um, I didn't really have a particular concentration. It was just whatever projects I was posted on. But because I was starting to experience my own health issues, and I was experiencing a lot of just all these challenges in the medical system. And Coming from a policy perspective and being at the top and understanding how the health system works from the top and then being a patient in the system, you see how broken it can be and how you can fall through the cracks. And I love my experience on the one hand, the the duality of my experience on the one hand, because because I had both a chronic illness or that, that diagnosis with the chronic illness, but also the skill set to be able to look into the research and understand the information that is being presented by the experts, I was able to educate myself and learn more about the condition and be able to advocate for myself when it came to meeting with doctors. But I know that a lot of people don't have that same background and same even thought process. And a lot of the consultations that I have with my clients, they tell me that they're more like, like I was more confused after meeting with their doctors than, you know, even after getting the diagnosis and it requires a lot of self-education, which overwhelms them. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I realized that there was a, a strong need to support women in the work in, in general, when it comes to their reproductive health, because by in general, women are caregivers and nurturers, and we always are looking to take care of everyone around us, but we forget to take care of ourselves. And when you're dealing with such a chronic condition and a debilitating condition, you know, it can really take you down. So I think that's where I felt there was a need to support women. I love that. And and you're absolutely right. That That's why I have this podcast, 
because it's so important, especially, you know, to me when it comes to the reproductive stuff, if you will, because, you know, I never realized until I went through my own infertility experience and then pregnancy and then giving birth to twins and like this insane life, I never realized just how, I don't want to say how little information, but how not comprehensive the information is and how it's just like bits and pieces here and there. And that's why I've been so excited to talk to you because I feel like endometriosis is one of those things. I know I said this before, but I feel like I have to harp on it for a second. It's so prevalent, but so, and, and I understand it's complicated. It's, it's not as simple as, oh, this is what it is. Have a great day. There's a lot more to it. So I think someone like you who has, you know, this amazing background who, you know, you said something about, you know, the thought process. And, you know, having that background, the thought process, everything that you needed to say, okay, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to be able to bring this to other women. I mean, what an amazing thing to be able to do and to want to do, which makes me curious, you know, and it's going to sound like a weird question because I feel like in some ways you probably already answered this, but I really want to hear it, um, you know, in the way that you would describe it. Why are you passionate about this work? What makes you passionate about it? Because you clearly are, which is amazing and wonderful, but I'm curious why you're so passionate about it. Well, I think I've always been passionate about health and wellness in general, but it's not until that you experience such a challenging experience in your life that not only affects your health and your mindset, but also affects your career. Mm -hmm. And it's not just with endometriosis, it's with a lot of painful chronic illnesses that people aren't even able to go to work and they experience memory fog and they experience a lot of things that affect their productivity in the workplace. And then, you know, with all the other issues that are, you know, or or fears that you don't want to tell your boss what's going on with you because there could be some, you know, action taken against you and you don't want that stigma. Um, that could also affect your performance reviews, right? And that's actually happened to me. I experienced Mm -hmm. um, a job loss because of my recurring endometriosis. uh, And that was the point where I said, I really have to learn to manage this. And this happened to me about four or five years ago. And that was the point where I actually started this practice because I said, if I'm going to lose not just my job, but also my health, my mental health, my, my emotional well-being, I'm going to lose everything and what what's going to be left of me. And it's not, it's not my fault. It's this condition that is really taking over my body. So that was really the moment where I realized that without a healthy mind, body and spirit, everything in life is so much harder to overcome. And I believe that we have two choices whenever we encounter a challenging situation. And that is either fall victim to it and fall apart or to overcome it and help others do the same. And so that's the path that I chose. I I love how you just said that. And it's, it's, it, I don't have anything to add because it's just so perfect and amazing. And, and it is when you can make that change for yourself and help other people do that and take care of your body. I understand chronic illness very well. I myself suffer from irritable bowel syndrome, interstitial cystitis. I have all kinds of stuff going on. And when it does affect your job, I had a a boss many years ago. I, you know, I'm in my forties now, but when I was in my twenties and I was, you know, in the thick of the severity of IBS to the point where I was in the bathroom for ridiculous amounts of time at work because I couldn't function. And my boss said to me, you know, you're in there a lot 
and you're in there all day. And it was embarrassing. I don't want to have this conversation with my boss. He was not understanding. And, you know, someone like you who, who can help make a difference for women dealing with these chronic issues, it's just can make all the difference in someone's life. So thank you for doing the work that you do. I just want to say that. <laughs> um, I do want to ask, what would you say is your best piece of advice um, for someone who's suffering from endometriosis? Actually, I even made a note to myself. I wanted to, to clarify that. What is your best piece of advice for someone who may be suffering from endometriosis? You know what? Let's do it this way. I'm talking over myself here. We'll do two things. Best piece of advice for someone who is suffering from endometriosis and your best piece of advice for someone who thinks they might be, but hasn't been diagnosed yet. Yeah, I think it's such an important question and there's so many different ways that you can answer it. But I wanna say that, like I mentioned, endometriosis is such a complex and frustrating condition and so hard to get to a diagnosis in many, in many cases. And getting a diagnosis really is just the start of your journey. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to emphasize that uh, if you are yet to get a diagnosis, um, my best advice is to always advocate for yourself because no one will take better care of you than you, yes. not your doctors and not your support system, because your doctors really are there to just fill their role, which is to treat you, diagnose you, prescribe the medication. And it's all tied to either your insurance model their business model, their expert level, their comfort level with assigning certain tests and labs, because as soon as they get, if, if they, it's, it's also tied to their liability. So they may not always want to get certain labs for you. Um, so again, you might not always be working with um, the best doctors. And that's been the case with me. And I know a lot of others as well. Um, and your support system can only help you to the best of their understanding and their maturity. So again, advocate for yourself and you want to make sure that you really study your symptoms and find a compassionate and expert doctor who is willing to listen to you and order the right tests that will get you a diagnosis. And so I would tell these women, don't settle with your doctor. And uh, like we mentioned, it can take, you know, seven to 10 years to get a diagnosis. It's because you're going through so many different tests and doctors are confused as to what's going on with you. Um, and we also mentioned that it's one in 10 women that we know of, but because there's some, it takes so long to get a diagnosis, I think that there's way more women and it's way more prevalent than we know. So that would be the advice that I give to someone who has not yet had a diagnosis. Study your symptoms and find a great doctor. For someone who's already had the diagnosis, I've already mentioned your, your medical care is only one piece of this very complex puzzle. Current standards of care only focus on suppressing the hormones that feed the disease or removing organs that um, you have been affected by the scar tissue and the adhesions. Uh, a lot of doctors are quick to prescribe a hysterectomy even for women who have not had children yet and if, even if they want them. Um, so managing your reproductive health really does take a whole systems approach in order to bring the body back to balance. And that includes lifestyle and dietary improvements. I don't wanna say changes because it's really just making improvements in your life. And right. again, going from point A and along your wellness journey, um, and this really can help to reduce the inflammation and allow the body to start healing itself. It's an inflammatory condition and it's tied to so many other different organ systems. Mm -hmm. When you're meeting with um, your OBQIN or your reproductive endocrinologist, they're really just focusing on one organ system, but there's so many other organ systems that are implicated, like the circulatory system, the immune system, the endocrine system, the digestive system, the liver. There's so many other areas to focus on and 
So that's why I would say it's the start of your journey because you, there's so much more to learn about the condition. Yeah, for sure. I think that's all excellent advice. And I particularly like that you said making improvements, not necessarily changes. That I think is where people with so many things go wrong is they try and implement all of these changes and it's too much and they're just overwhelmed improvements. I just, that that's really sticking with me. So I really like that you said that. So thank you so much for sharing that awesome advice. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. This is always the point where I like to kind of ask some fun questions that make you think a little bit because I like making people think. So um, let me ask you some, some fun stuff here. First, who would you say are three people in your life um, who have had the most influence on you? And they don't have to be people necessarily who are in your life. I just mean, who are three people who have had the most influence on your life? We'll say that. So I'll start with the first and I'll lump them together are my parents because mm-hmm. they've taught me to be very resilient in life and to welcome change as new opportunities. I come from an immigrant family. And so, you know, learning to figure things out is my, it's just started at a young age. And I guess that's why I'm here today where I am. Yeah. Uh, the second would be, you know, my, my bad bosses, to be honest with you, <laughs> who made me realize that I need to prioritize my health over anything else because I only have one body. And mm-hmm. I have to say that this, because I truly believe that our negative experiences are our biggest blessings because they really redirect us onto a better path. And then the third would be my doctors who diagnosed me and even those that were difficult to work with because they taught me the importance of knowing my body first. advocating for myself and only accepting treatment plans that aligned with my current needs and my long-term goals. Again, you, you, you get challenged so much when you're working with doctors and you're in a vulnerable situation and it really brings out your character. So, so my experience with the medical system is one of the biggest reasons why I went into this work and uh, you know, why I want to help women. I am. I'm, I'm so touched by what you're saying. And I think the fact that you included the, the bad bosses I mean, that makes so much sense. And it's just, I just think that's great. So anyway, I know, I mean, it, it, it's easy to say, oh, great answers when it's such a personal question, but it's really, I think, great that you're able to look at it that way and see that even the negativity was an influence on you because it brought you positivity. And that's pretty cool. Um, my next question is similar but it's a little different. And this is one of my favorite questions to ask people, although I think people get annoyed at me for asking this. Um, If you could have a dinner party with three people, it doesn't have to be a dinner party. You know, if you don't like dinner parties, we'll say drinks or a walk on the beach or whatever, hang out, whatever, something like that. With three people, and these three people can be dead or alive. They don't have to be people that you know, they can be, they can be fictional, they can be real, they don't have to be people. Um, They can be, you know, imaginary, or they can be animals, whatever it is. Who are those three, we'll say people in quotes. Um, And so who are they and why? How about that? Uh, That's a good question. Um, So since we're including both uh, fictional, non-fictional people, I think I would have to say uh, the first one would probably be J.K. Rowling and her Harry Potter crew, um, obviously the good one, the good characters. Um, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and uh, loved the books for years. And honestly, why I'm so inspired by her is because if you know anything about her story, uh, the books that she wrote were 
during the time where she was going through a really serious and depressive time in her life. And she's an example to me of turning her pain into her purpose, which is what I've been doing over the past few years. The second one would be Oprah, because I think she's so amazing and such a motivational person. How could you not want her at your dinner party? Yeah, so humble, so relatable. I mean, I love her. Um, And the third person would be Richard Branson, because I read his book, Losing My Virginity, and it's so inspiring to read about his journey to success because it stemmed from his natural curiosity in life and also his mischievous and rebellious nature, which I'm not as rebellious as him, but I do have, you know, certain alignments in that personality. And it only tells me that life is really is meant to be lived and we should always be planning our next adventure. So that right there is such a great quote. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, what is life if not living it? Right. I don't know if that sentence made sense, but you know what I mean? Um, Great answers, by the way. Um, But again, you know, I totally, they all have such meaning behind them. So I think those are awesome. My last question, and this is, I don't know, people probably think I'm silly for asking this. And I say this probably every single time I ask someone this, but I I'm very interested in nicknames. That's just one of these things my whole life I've been fascinated by. And I'm always curious when I meet people, if they have a nickname and if they do, what the story is behind it. So I'm curious, do, do you have a nickname? And if you do, is there a story? I do have a nickname actually it was given to me by my dad. Um, so my name is Laura, but I come from an immigrant family. And so um, the country I was born in used to be part of the former Soviet Union, I was born in Uzbekistan and I'm of Persian descent. Mm-hmm. So my mom and dad gave me um, like a European name and in, in Russian or in, in your, the European way of saying it is Laura or Laura. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother is Persian and didn't really speak Russian that fluently. Like she primarily spoke uh, Farsi. Mm -hmm. And so when she heard Laura, she was like, Lau, la, la, like what? I can't really (laughs) pronounce this. Like it's very unusual for the the names that she's used to. So my dad decided to just, I guess he found it really funny. And from that point on started to call me Lau, la, la. (laughs) And so that's my name. (laughs) And that actually... To be to um to share more, it actually caught on, and my coworkers started calling me that too in the workplace. Really? <laughs> the That's great! Oh my god! and consulting, and they were like, "Oh, la, 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 hi, how are you?" I was like, "My boss is right here." <laughs> that is fantastic! <laughs> I love funny. it. Yeah. And th- and that's why I love nicknames because I feel like the stories are always so interesting, you know, even like simple nicknames. It's just one of those really funny things that I think is fascinating. And I love that your nickname has such a fun story um, behind it, you know, like, especially, you know, how can I word what I'm, I'm thinking? I can't quite word my thoughts, but I love that it was your grandmother who was like, what, what is this ridiculous? I know I'm not going to say that, but what is it? And that so often is how nicknames come about. And I love that it's a family story that sort of trickled into the workplace, which makes it even more fun because it's part of who you are. It's part of you. It's not your identity, but it's part of you. And that I think is just a beautiful thing. So very last, here we are. Tell me where our listeners can connect with you and learn more about you and more about the work that you do. So I can be found at Island Sea Yoga across all social media and my website, islandseayoga.com. Uh, two primary 
social media platforms that you can find me on would be Instagram or LinkedIn, where I post a lot of daily tips and also, you know, content and mm-hmm. as well as my website. You can also join my Facebook group, Transform Your Mind, Body and Spirit, uh, if you're interested in connecting with other health lovers and um, learning more about the different wellness tips that I share regarding women's health. Laura, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to sit down and talk with me, help educate our audience on endometriosis. It's so important. I keep saying that and I'm always going to continue to say it until there's a cure for it because it is important and women need to know that they're not alone and they can live a better life. So thank you so much for coming on and and sharing all of this with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.